What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Goat Show. It is Wednesday, October 6th. We're actually doing, we're recording before Thursday night. Isn't that crazy? I know, right? We're like actually on schedule. It's, yeah. It's bizarre. It's, it's a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, don't get used to it, but here we are <laughs> for now. Um, I was mentioning to you before the show uh how last episode i made a comment about um stefan gilmore matching up against the bucks completely forgetting that he was on the pup list um happens to the best of us yeah kind of had to own up to that one that was (laughs) A little embarrassing, if anyone even noticed. Um, Granted, you also told me, and I didn't. I was none the wiser as well. So yeah, um, kind of shows how little I've been paying attention to the Patriots this year. But I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, that's on me. Um, but big news today: he's no longer on the Patriots. Um, looks like he was going to be released, and then the Panthers stepped in and said, "Hey, here is." A bag of chips for a former All-Pro corner, defensive um, of the year, <laughs> former defensive player of the year, just what two years ago? Um, yeah, lockdown. Or, yeah. yeah, it's it's just like puzzling to see that it's, the league changes so fast. It's wild. Yeah, I feel like corners are one of those things where they'll be like elite, 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 and then gone. Yeah, it's like, just. It's- like we saw that with like Patrick Peterson, mm-hmm. uh, Darius Slay to an extent. Um, but I'm, yeah, I mean, Josh Norman, he only had the one year, but it was like one season, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, just, uh, it's just, it's, it's just weird how unsustainable it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like I would argue. I know many people would disagree with this. It's probably the hardest position to play in the NFL. Just solely because, like, the way the rules are today. If you, like, breathe on a wide receiver, it's a flag. Yeah. Um, the route tree and passing offenses are sophisticated and developed these days. Like, obviously, we're back and, and there's you can make an argument for some other positions. But I just feel like in terms of just, like, being like a number one corner in the NFL is just so hard. Yeah, I agree. I know when I played, I mean, obviously not in the NFL, but um, (laughs) when I played, it was my least favorite position, maybe because I didn't have an ounce of athleticism to run with anybody. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. um, But no, it's definitely, yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, even like quarterback, it takes a lot to be really good, but <laughs> I think I don't know. I mean, it also that. depends on situation. Yeah, like if you're like Baker Mayfield on the Browns, and you could just hand the ball off to you know Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt all day behind an elite line, you know, like that's pretty nice. But if you're like Zach Wilson siege on the jets like there's very that's two very different levels of situation and like circumstance so like i mean granted there could be harder circumstances on a corner if a team has a 
weak pass rush or doesn't blitz yeah. much. Or blitzes a lot, which puts corners on an island. <laughs> really, any, every like success in a lot of things in life is situation based. So, yeah. like, it's hard to say, like, necessarily. But, like, I just feel like just watching the game, like the modern game, I just feel like I just feel bad for many corners who just, you know, will get flagged for PI when, like, sometimes it's just like, what are they supposed to do? Yeah. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just it's just a difficult position. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I do think there are less elite corners than there are, say, like elite quarterbacks, if that makes sense. Uh, like, I feel like the on... drop-off is bigger. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you agree? Is that... I mean, it depends on what you classify as a quarterback. Like, I classify it based upon, like the talent in the league. Like I'd consider like just looking at how things are. I'd consider like the tops elite, which is like Mahomes, Russell Wilson. I know he's not active right now, but just Sean Watson, um, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. And yeah. Yeah. That's what I consider. <laughs> oh, I was just counting it out in my head. Yeah. Like, that's what, that are like the elite, truly elite quarterbacks, unless you want to throw in, like maybe you could throw in like Justin Herbert, the way he's been playing and his talent level, or like yeah. Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. Did you say Kyler Murray? Stafford. Did you say Kyler Murray? <laughs> I did not say Kyler Murray, but now since you said like the way I would throw in a elite quarterback. Yeah, I just think oh, question. <laughs> yeah. But like if you can reasonably be in the argument for being one of the best, I feel like there's more guys that you can make that case for for quarterbacks than you can with corners, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Not a ton yeah. of depth at like the highest levels of corner. Yeah. Um but here we are. He is a Panther returning to his home state, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, played college at South Carolina. And, yeah, in the span of, like, two weeks, the Panthers got a former top ten pick and now a former defensive player of the year at the cornerback position um, for very little. So, um, Yeah, I, was, I respect the aggressiveness. Yeah. I have the front office. Yeah, I mean, you look at how well the teams in that division pass. Um, that's definitely something you would want. Is a lot of high end talent in your secondary. Yeah, on the team in general, like yeah, I know they, I know they lost to Dallas and they're down CMC right now. But like Joe Brady's offense is so good, and and their defense is emerging. They're a better team than even what I expected. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think I would have predicted this start. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think many people did. Yes, we're not allowing. Yeah, I think we'll we'll get back to them in a minute. But I'll start unpacking <laughs> some of these games. Um, <laughs> some more so than others, obviously. First things first. I want to talk about the Bills for a minute. I know. I touched oh, on wow. them briefly. You don't talk about them often. 
<laughs> I touched on them a little bit last time, uh, but this week they did something absolutely incredible. But first thing, I think they're probably the best team in the league right now. Looking at their first, or sorry, second in points scored, six in total yards, only 12th in passing, which is kind of weird. And I think that's partially because of just that week one start. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to assume they are better than 12th in reality. Um, Mm -hmm. And then fifth in rushing to go along with their number one defense and scoring total yards and passing yards first in takeaways, fourth in run defense and sixth in sacks right now. Um, But what I found was incredible. Um, I actually made a post about this, which I'm sure hopefully uh, a lot of people saw was (laughs) they were the first team since 1961 with multiple 35-plus point shutouts in the first four weeks of the season, and only the seventh team since the merger with two such games in a full season. And the last two teams to record two shutouts in their first four games went on to win the Super Bowl, being the 1991 Washington, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that word, and the (laughs) 2000 Ravens. Um, So... MVP Josh Allen is back. They're running the ball really well. And the defense is showing out on all levels. So that was a lot of talking for me. I'm going to hand that over to you. And, uh, yeah, what do you think on that? I really enjoyed the uh, Go FB ESPN stats. But, um, hey, those I are mean, legit. I, I, I know. I'm just joking. <laughs> I mean, it is, the Bills have just kind of always been a hard team for me to wrap my head around. Because, like, it was been sort of weird to me because, like, they're so one-dimensional offensively since they haven't been able to run the ball well. But now they're running the ball well. I, I haven't been that high in their defense. I thought they were about average last year. And now, like you said, like, they're so high in all these stats. Of course, they're inflated because they haven't really played the most stellar offenses yet. No, but, but domination is domination. Like, And it's they're still the, NFL teams that they're playing. Yeah. They rival of course Tua went down early in the game but Tua hasn't been that good this season anyways so no so it's would have been the same result maybe the Dolphins score a point with him but it's <laughs> it's just it, it is just I mean I do I do definitely agree that they're the best team in terms of how they're performing right now although there's still a ton of football left it's the longest season ever which is certainly going to bring the NFL a lot of money. Yeah. Even the goal. <laughs> it, I would consider them the best team in the AFC, mm. which is, in my opinion, as open as the Grand Canyon in terms of like who's really the best. Because, you know, with the Chiefs not looking as strong as they have, and there's so many good teams like Cleveland and, and Baltimore who've had their ups and downs so far. Um, it's certainly it's certainly an interesting conference, especially compared to the NFC, where the hierarchy is a little more pronounced. So, um, yeah, I would just say think that the uh, 
I would consider the Bills the best team in the AFC, and I'm just curious to see how their run game and defense correlates throughout the rest of the season and the sort of dominant way they're playing. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, I just want to point out that, like, yeah, obviously they weren't doing this against the best teams, but the fact that they were the only teams in a long time to do anything like this is insane. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, this is just the best version of this team that we've seen, at least, like, in the Josh Allen era, and probably mm-hmm. for a long time. But you think about these past few years, either they've been running well and the defense has been great, but the passing game hasn't been there. And then last year, they were passing really well, but the defense was hit or miss, and the run game was pretty much non-existent. Now, they're... Everything come together. Everything is coming together, and they're looking really good. Um, yeah, that's just why I feel like they're so hard to wrap my head around because they just change so fast and they evolve so like that like yeah. I never know how to gauge how good they are at a given at a given time. So it's like that's why I'm like never that high on them, but I recognize them for being like a great team. So I'm sort of like a weird. I need to find like a weird middle ground with them because because they just like kind of fascinate me if that makes sense yeah yeah for sure um fascinating is i think that's better than not um (laughs) yeah uh sticking with the new york theme i guess let's jump over to uh technically new jersey but we'll we'll pretend for a minute um the jets and the giants both won this week in overtime against some pretty decent teams. So I wanted to ask you, which one of those would you say was the most surprising? Obviously, there's different factors in each. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Titans were missing both of their top two receivers, which is, yeah, crazy um, (laughs) to think about the hype around that offense. And then without Julio or A.B. um, A.J. Brown, A.B. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to cl- just to clarify, you know, I think I wrote that, and I'm really used to talking about Julio Jones and Antonio Brown together. Yeah. I, I so I think that. I started writing that, and my brain was just like, "Oh yeah, AB." I'm like, "Yeah, okay, that's funny." I just noticed that. You know what I meant, though. Um, yeah, yeah. I was just saying this is just fun. Like, whenever I see AB, I just think. Antonio Brown. So, like, it's just funny seeing that. Yeah, I think that's what my body was thinking, too, when I was typing and my brain was like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Um, and then on the other end, um, Daniel Jones and the Giants overcame a... What was the deficit? It was double digits. Um, yeah. With, like, six minutes left, too, that, that whole comeback started. Yeah, Saquon touchdown. Yeah, that was miraculous and wild. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I was gonna say, yeah, they overgame that to win in overtime. Um. Yeah. So I'll throw that over to you. Which one of those would you say was more surprising? That's really tough. That's really tough. I would probably just say the Jets because of to be honest, how bad they've been with, like, not much hope in sight. And, yes, Tennessee's missing Julio and A.J. Brown, 
in their uh, defense things. But, like, just to see the Jets put up – how many points they put up? Over 30, right? Uh, I think it was 27. 20, 27? Yeah, 27 points. To see Zach Wilson, be honest, showing – to be honest, finally showing you know, his potential you know, yeah. uh, as a sort of offensive creator, the way he was zipping the ball – I've never been that high on him, especially with the situation that he's in right now in the Jets. And I think it was great. You know, I'm never, to clarify, I'm never rooting against anybody. Unless I have a clear never. reason to. <laughs> well, unless I, unless I have a clear reason to. But um, just watching him, be honest, to live up to some of that potential was nice to see. Yeah. Uh, even just to see, I understand that the Titans were down two elite pass catching targets, but to see the you know, Robert Sala continue to lead these really solid defenses to having losses. Jets have some uh, injuries on their defense, and they were still creating a lot of havoc with the Titans. So remember, yeah. the Titans still have a good line. They still have Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. So I would roll with the Jets. Win is more surprising, especially since the Giants have a pretty talented team. As miraculous as it is, Danny Dimes has been Danny Dimes and not Danny Dumps. Yeah. Uh, and and just the Giants are more talented. And the Saints have been very bizarre so far. Yeah. Blowing out Green Bay week one, losing to the Panthers in week two. Granted, they had no offensive coaches and Ian Book was doing their substitutions. <laughs> so that, 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 there's a little bit of there. Yeah. And week three, they beat the Patriots, and now they blow a lead against the Giants. They're a bizarre team. Just right, they're as, bad, they're as bizarre as Jameis Winston right now. Yeah, pretty much. They're just going through a cycle yeah, week to week. <laughs> yeah. So, like, which makes them fun and interesting. They're another fascinating team just because you just don't know what to expect week to week. So, I guess the Giants having a comeback win against them shouldn't be that surprising. But um, I, I would just roll with the Jets as the more surprising win, but you could certainly make an argument for the Giants since both teams have been so bad. Yeah. Um, just a couple more thoughts on the Jets game. One, it was good to see Corey Davis have a good game. Um, His revenge Jackson. game against the uh, yeah. Titans. Yeah, uh, he had over 100 yards and the game tying touchdown, I believe. Actually, no, it was – I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure it was to take the lead and then the Titans tied, if I remember that right. Um, Derrick Henry obviously carried the Titans' offense and was pretty good considering everybody knew what they were going to try and do. Uh, He had 33 carries for 157 yards, averaging 4.8 with a touchdown. Um, But I think the biggest difference maker in this was I watched through the highlights for this one, and they just did a really good job of getting pressure on Tannehill in really key situations, like on third down and especially in the red zone. They held him to a lot of field goals early, um, <laughs> which I think, yeah, was huge down the stretch. Um, just the fact that they were able to keep him out of the end zone, keep it relatively close, uh, I think that was big. Um and then, yeah, more thoughts on the Giants-Saints game. Um, Daniel Jones was credited with 402 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, did you see the touchdown to John Ross? 
I did, and that was pretty miraculous. The awesome deep ball with incredible touch, and just to see John Ross scoring a long touchdown, uh, the speed that got him picked so high and very yeah. uh, Raiders esque fashion. Um, yeah, like it was just it was just a really good play from Danny Dimes. More so, it's showing off that arm talent, and despite some of the issues he have, his ability as a read option quarterback and his deep ball makes him pretty deadly despite some of his other faults. That's why I'm always like shocked when people talk about him. Like he has absolutely no potential, but like with his deep ball and his rushing ability, he has a decent, like he could be good. I think he's been, he's been an above average quarterback this year. So yeah, um, Yeah, I, I agree. And, I think the Giants are helping him a lot more. I like some of the RPO stuff they've been doing. Yeah. Like, you know, it brings the linebackers down. It clears a lot of passing lanes. Obviously, the talent around him at wide receiver and now Saquon starting to reemerge. Um, they're giving him some help. And, you know, just from what we've been seeing with Danny Dimes limiting the turnovers, which is obviously his biggest um, weakness. Uh, I I think he's starting to materialize, at least to a certain extent, and I'm curious to see if he reaches the level of, you know, franchise quarterback for the Giants because right now he's a question mark that's might be slowly dissolving into a period. Yeah, um, that might that's an interesting way to put it, but <laughs> no, it does make sense though. Um, weirdly poetic, but. Um... Yeah, I I always said before this season, people would make like mock drafts with the Giants having like a top five pick and then have them not take a quarterback. And I'm like, if they finish that poorly, it will be because Daniel Jones wasn't doing his job and then they would have to draft a quarterback. But the way the season's been going, they are one and three and Jones has been okay. So I... I don't know if they don't turn around, it'll be interesting to see um, what kind of direction they go this next off season. But mm-hmm. yeah, like you're saying, he's been limiting turnovers. He only has two interceptions in his last 10 games and they were on an Evan Ingram drop and then a hail Mary to end the first half against the saints. Um, hmm. An Evan Ingram drop. That's rare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and he hasn't fumbled since week one, which was always bigger for him than the interceptions were. <laughs> um, so to, yeah, keep that safe. Another kind of underappreciated narrative from this game is that the uh, the Giants didn't allow a sack. So that's a good look for <laughs> that young offensive line. And then, yeah, looking at the weapons, um, Kenny Galladay, Canarius Tony, John Ross, and Saquon Barkley all had over 74 receiving yards, which nice. is pretty Spreading good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was good to see the Giants finally get one in the win column, uh, especially in such you know remarkable fashion in overtime <laughs> on the road against a good team. I think. Um, yeah, just it's like the. Just a shrug, like, I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe it's just a even number week thing for the Saints. Like, they'll be dominant next week and then 
week six, they'll be bad again. But yeah, um, either way, good to see the Giants um, get it all together there. Moving on, um, I wanted to talk quickly about the Bears. Um, There was a lot of doubt for them going into this one. I was hopeful for the Lions uh, just because I like the story better. But yeah, yeah, Bears put together a complete win. Uh, Offense looked better without Matt Nagy calling the plays. Um, Surprising. Yeah, (laughs) who would have thought? And uh, Dave Montgomery helped me a lot in fantasy this week. So, yeah. What's that? Shamey got hurt. Yeah, true. Four four to five weeks. He's he's an awesome back. Yeah, Uh, I'll take the two touchdowns where I can get them, and then we'll see what's going on next week. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. Did you have anything else to add to this? Oh, I would just say as Justin Fields stand, it's uh, nice to see him get his first win, especially since they were able to move the ball and get some offense going. That was great to see. He had some nice, he had some nice throws and productivity from him in that offense. Yeah. Uh, and another guy in the stand of it was even the, it was even better to see uh, Gus Johnson on the call. He mm-hmm. certainly made that game watchable. And uh, and at the same time, I just feel like kind of like the Bears are wasting Justin Fields' talent. I really feel like these broadcasts are wasting Gus Johnson's talent. Doing a Lions and Bears game, yeah. Like, I no disrespect, but I'd rather see Gus Johnson on a call than Troy than Troy Aikman or uh, Joe Buck. That's fair. So like, <laughs> I I just I like just throw me a bone and put Gus Johnson on a primetime game, and I'll be so happy. I'll, I'll spread propaganda for the NFL. Whatever, <laughs> just 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 put Gus Johnson in a primetime game, NFL. Yeah. Please, I'm begging you. It, it, it'll only help the league. They'll only like, there's no downside. Yeah. Um, like how excited can you get about a bears lions game? Like, yeah, it, it maxes out. Like, especially like a 24 to 14. Like that's just man. not, nobody loves that. It doesn't even look appealing. Like it looks as unappealing as the bears uniforms. Like <laughs> it's just, eh. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's definitely, especially with like Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, um, it's it's just getting old. Like, it's like imagine Gus Johnson calling the Minneapolis Miracle. Mm-hmm. Dude, have broke the mic. Pass <laughs> is caught. That's my Joe Buck impersonation. Not great, but Pass either. Pass is so. caught. Digs sideline end zone. <laughs> yeah that's kind of how it went yeah um but Matt yeah. Johnson would have been playing <laughs> and I it would just be like oh my god like even just like watching the, the the Bears Lions game come up on red zone I made sure to hire up the vault vol- to raise the volume and anticipation yeah, yeah. that's funny Um, yeah jumping along Um, looking at the Colts and the Dolphins the Colts got their first win under Wentz Um, 
the Dolphins are not very good. And I knew it all along, dating back to last year. But I will humbly take that W. Um, I just thought this was a bad matchup for the Dolphins. Like, looking at how bad their run defense is and how good the Colts are at running, and then how bad their offense is and how good the Colts' defense is, I just thought there was no way. Um, But, yeah, Wentz had a – I mean, probably his best – as a Colt, um, two touchdowns through the air, no picks. Jonathan Taylor, over 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then, yeah, the Dolphins offense just couldn't do enough, especially, especially running. Um, Jacoby Brissett, serviceable at 20 for 30, 199 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. But, yeah, I don't know. Did you have anything to add there? Not really. I mean, I expected the Colts to win this one. Same, it's yeah. nice. It's nice to see Wentz and Sam Darnold kind of revitalize their careers. I think that's two really good spots for them. And honestly, looking at the way the Titans are playing, I think the Colts have a very legit shot to win the AFC South as a one and three team. Like, imagine that's <laughs> pretty yeah. crazy to still think like a one and three team has a very good shot at winning the division. So if you're a Colts fan, I wouldn't be too down because, you know, they're, you know, right, you know, has always seemed to lead his team in the right way. And um, I think as long as the Colts can get healthy and um, the Titans keep kind of underperforming, uh, they have a legit shot to ha- be hosting a playoff game despite a pretty uh, record-wise poor start. Yeah, that's true. Um, one other thing from this one. I I have Mike Gesicki in oh. two fantasy leagues, and I hate it. Why Why did you draft him? Because I know last year you had your fantasy therapy with uh, Mike Gesicki. Because I, I hyped him up in my head a little bit because he's, he, he's cheaper than most tight ends, uh, relatively. Um, at least, especially compared to like the top guys, he was yeah. relatively cheap. And I, looking at the preseason, I saw how much he was, yeah, how much attention he was getting, like from Tua. So I thought he should be safe. And then week one, I start him. He doesn't catch a ball. I lose by like point three. This week, I was stressing because I benched him in favor of Logan Thomas, who missed most of the game with an injury. Hmm. Meanwhile, Gesicki caught five passes for 57 yards and a touchdown. So that's a good game on my bench. And I'll talk to this. Yeah, I'll add to this later. But this that matchup went down to the wire. So I think from now on, I just got to play him and – yeah, live by Gasicki, die by Gasicki, I guess. Who would have thought I'd ever hear that? But <laughs> I mean, even tight end in general, I know we were talking about corner. Like, that's a position that's not very deep, even beyond just fantasy. Like, yeah. Like, like Gronk is probably like a top six to seven tight end in the league. It's not that great compared to what he's been. I mean, 
you can compare a lot to what he has been and it wouldn't look great but um, yeah it's fair but like it is just kind of interesting to see how like people were pits a top five tight end before the season which i thought was pretty ludicrous because he hadn't played a snap yet despite his, yeah like i called him the best player in the draft and like i was like all right pump the brakes like we got to yeah play. like you can't just call a guy top five top five tight end before he's even put on nfl pads yet yeah so like like yeah, it's just it's kind of interesting. Like even from a fantasy perspective, like George Kale right now is even difficult to play because of the injury concerns and the fact that the Niners just aren't passing. And like yeah. I could start my uh, anti Kyle Shanahan fantasy squadron to, uh, <laughs> or my uh, I shouldn't say squadron a uh, movement because uh, yeah. as a Brandon Ayuk owner in one of my leagues, like I draft that dude. Like, I was like, all right, he's really talented. I think there's some upside. Like, he's just sitting on my bench for Jacoby Myers right now. So, <laughs> like, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> like, who would have thought I'd be playing Jacoby Juan Kenobi <laughs> over uh, Brandon Ayuk or Ipuke, as some people call him now? I I can't say I've heard that before. Um, yes, but... I, I've heard a lot of things. I, I saw him a comment that. <laughs> Like just go on his Instagram and look in his comments. It's, it's, it's rough there. I, 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 right after that first game, I was like, I'm curious to see what people are saying in his Instagram comments. And I looked and I wish I did not. (laughs) It was, it was, it was rough. People are like, so people were saying, I hope your hamstring never recovers. Ooh. I was like, all right, dude, it's not that serious. Like he got zero points in my lineup too. And I'm not that mad. Like, it, it is funny how seriously people take fan. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Um, yeah, moving on. Uh, <laughs> we can get the Browns and the Vikings. Um, <laughs> the over under for this game was set at forty six point five. Wow! And they combined for twenty one, and I don't think. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. I mean, I know through what I did see, there were quite a few um, failed fourth down attempts in like Mm -hmm. in scoring range. Um, This isn't by field position, but altogether uh, the Browns were 0 and 1 on fourth down and the Vikings were 1 and 3. Hmm. Um. So, yeah, that's kind of a factor, but neither team moved the ball through the air well. The Browns did their thing um, on the ground over 180 yards between Chubb and Hunt. Um. Yeah, I we were going to talk last episode about how good Kirk Cousins has been playing, and then I was like, all right, we'll cut it for time, and then hopefully that'll carry over to this episode. But I don't know. Based on the loss and the numbers, um, don't want to – yeah, I don't know. Do you um, – what do you think about Kirk Cousins' season so far compared to against the Browns? Yeah, I mean, he's been – I made a post on him where I was just kind of 
commending him for how well he's been playing and showing how high he is in some very important raw and advanced stats. Um, watching the game against the Browns, obviously he was not as potent, but like I think I saw a snap or a snap a stat where it said that he was pressured on seventy percent of dropbacks. To pause. Patrick yeah. Mahomes was pe- was pressured on fifty two percent of dropbacks in the Super Bowl, and we saw how under siege he was. Yeah, and compare that to Kirk Cousins having Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney running him down, like they were cheetahs and he was prey. It's yeah. not exactly conducive to performing well. And having watched a bit of the game as a uh, Kirk Cousins supporter on social media. I can very much attest to that stat. He was, there was the the pass rush was so heavy, and I don't really think many quarterbacks sort of produced well in circumstances. And even with I that, mean, the Vikings. Sorry, go ahead. Who who are you going to say? Were you, you going to say? Josh I was going to say, look at what they did to the Bears too. I mean, that's very consistent uh, with what they've been doing this season. Yeah, nine sacks. That was they didn't exactly have nine sacks on Kirk Cousins and force one net passing yard. But yeah. um it's still like the Vikings still had a chance to win, which is awesome for their defense to be able to put them in in that position. Like I've said I thought their defense was gonna be pretty solid this year, and I think they're gonna come to form just knowing how well Mike Zimmer's coached his defenses in Minnesota. They've always been among the better defenses in the league. Yeah. And obviously, when you think of the Vikings, you think of Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, and Justin Jefferson doing the gritty, and Adam Thielen at least attempting the gritty, <laughs> <laughs> and then Cousins airing it out off the play action. And it's kind of interesting to think that the Vikings and Browns was a defense-heavy game, where the Vikings were a crazy hail mary away from potentially tying it. So, um. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's interesting to still see these defensive heavy games in the modern NFL. And another thing that interested me interested me was seeing the running back snap counts from this game, and yeah. Kareem Hunt had a higher percentage of snaps than Nick Chubb, which kind of interested me. Maybe that was a matchup thing. Maybe that was they were trying to throw use him in the passing game a bit more. That was just interesting to me when I saw that stat. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Chubb is just so efficient that he doesn't need, um, he doesn't need like Christian McCaffrey snaps to have a hundred yards in the ground. You know, it's just yeah, it's kind of an anomaly with him where he doesn't need the most volume to have that much of an impact. But yeah, um, kind of like a Pollard thing where it's yeah, to a degree, obviously, but of course. I would consider Chubb a better back than him, although I think Pollard's very good. Of course, that's not the discussion we're having. But yeah, it was like Hunt 53% and then Chubb 47 which obviously is not a bad, but it, it is interesting yeah. to see, especially knowing like they're the best running back behind arguably the best offensive line in the league, which is the strength of their team. And I'll Really, like, looking at the Browns, like, looking at how loaded their secondary is, how elite their pass rush is, and obviously the things I've just said, not to mention having Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham as your wide receivers. Granted, they're, you know, Jarvis Landry's hurt right now, and, and Odell's hurt a lot. 
really the weakest link on their team really is Baker. And to be honest, he did not really look good from what I was seeing. He was missing throws. And um I could just see like if a team can somehow find a way to slow down the run and make Baker throw, like what Kansas City was able to do later in that game, which really yeah. helped seize the win for them. That's kind of a big hindrance towards the Browns potentially being a Super Bowl team, which is what I think they have the talent to do. Like Baker was just like I saw him miss a wide open deep touchdown throw to Odell Beckham, which would have sealed the game. He was miss just missing throws and like I don't know. He's just I've called him the definition of average in the past and like he kinda looked like it on Sunday. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Um yeah, no, I won't I won't fight you on that one. Um yeah. he could definitely be better. And I think he has the talent to be better. Um definitely in his arm. He's he's pretty yeah. good dip on the ball. He's just granted he has zip on but he's also kind of a dummy sometimes and he just zips it super fast and it's like way too fast. Like something like Joe Burrow has in comparison to him, he's smart with how much velocity he puts on the ball. Like yeah. if that makes sense, like it's sort of like putting it in a way that's like it could get there but not be so strong that like his receivers aren't expecting it where sometimes yeah. Baker will just fling it and go way too high or he'll just like go through a receiver's hands because he's just throwing it too hard so like that's another oh, yeah. thing Baker does where sometimes he's not exactly the smartest on the field where he'll make decisions that just aren't smart <laughs> yeah that makes sense um, kind of jumping back to what you're saying about the Browns' defense, I just wanted to add, um, as a team, they are currently fourth in pressure rate. And then, according to Pro Football Reference, Miles Garrett is tied for the second most pressures in the league, while uh, Clowney is just outside the top ten. Hmm. Um, actually, wait, I might have looked at that differently after and realized that he was actually... Um, he might be, if this will load, sorry, he's actually tied for ninth. I wrote that down and then checked and then forgot to fix it. Um, hmm. Yeah, and pressures is one of those things where, like, depending on where you look, it could be completely different. But <laughs> So that's just according to PFR. Um, take that for what you will. I just think it's cool that uh, Clowney's obviously not um, – doesn't just have a the same tack total as like yeah, doesn't have the same tack total as like Miles Garrett, but he's mm-hmm. making a difference. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of similar on brand conversation. I want to look at the Washington football team and their efforts against the Falcons in a thirty-four to forty win, uh, where. Uh, Matt Ryan and Taylor Heineke combined for over 570 yards, seven touchdowns, and no picks. Um, but that being said, is Washington's defense okay? Because going into the season, this is this was like probably consensus top five-ish unit. Um, and here they are through four weeks, they're allowing – 30 and a half points per game, which is the third worst in the NFL. Um, they're tied for the fifth fewest sacks, 
but they are fourth in hurry rate. So they're getting some pressure. They're just not finishing, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you have something mad? I mean, granted, if you look back at like my posts on the WFT, I expected their defense to take a bit of a dip. You know, teams don't really tend to repeat top five defensive. Like if your defense was in the top five, it's very rare that they repeat. Like it just typically doesn't happen. So I said like I would expect the Washington defense to take a bit of a regression or to regress a little bit. Yeah. However, by regress, the eighth best defense in football. Yeah. Ninth, like I wasn't expecting like arguably – the worst defense. Like you can argue that they're the worst defense in the NFL. Yeah, I wouldn't say that because I still think they have the talent to not be that. But like, it kind of comes down to production and giving up thirty and a half points. Like, that's really bad. And um, yeah, like just it kind of just goes to show the defenses fall off fast. And like, if the WFT really wants to like contend for, playoffs, I don't. Th- on Taylor Heineke, obviously he's been playing pretty well. Not not to hate on him, but like to relying on him to really lead you there, you can't do that. You need to support him. Like I really felt like the strength of your team needed to be their defense. Yeah, that helps support Heineke and not the other way around. Because I just don't think Heineke playing at a is sustainable enough to merit a potential like nine and eight season, which is what I think would be like the peak for them which could get them in playoff contention so like looking at this it's just like the gap between any other nfc least team and dallas is just widening yeah yeah i don't know you can't rely on heineke to score 34 points every week right um I think the most shocking thing is just like, yeah, defenses fall off, but it usually has something to do with personnel while here. Or injuries. Yeah. Scheme, et cetera. Yeah, well, here they have so much of the same uh, people in place from last year that, I don't know, I wouldn't have seen it coming. But like I said, there's still hope. Um, And obviously the season is young, so... Um, also, another thing to take away from that game was this was really the uh, Cordell Patterson superstar game. Yeah. This just, I mean, obviously he's not, like he's probably going to be picked up on a lot of waivers in fantasy football. But, um, yeah, it is pretty crazy to see. Like he is kind of a little bit of an everyman on offense. He can play receiver. Yeah. He can play running back. He can return. He's kind of always been that. But this was just such a – and uh, it was just cool to see since he's been around the league for a little while. Yeah. Um, I literally, I consciously decided against picking him up multiple times this season. And then I tried to this week and it didn't work out. So, um, cause he's like, a, he's listed as a running back. I think you can play him as a receiver too, though. He's kind of like Taysom Hill, where he's a tight end, or he's he's like listed as a tight end, but he's really not one. Yeah. Kind of is. Cordell Patterson and Taysom Hill are pretty different, but just as like an interesting comparison of like guys who kind of play one position, but really 
don't. They they sort of do. I can that like weird middle ground. Yeah. Um, now, ironically, Taysom Hill scored a couple touchdowns. So, and Cordero Patterson scored a, some touchdowns too. So, like, it's kind of interesting to make that comparison after this week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just looking at that, like flexibility, kind of. Um, <laughs> yeah, moving on, kind of keeping things um, in division, I guess. Looking at. Um, well, I was going to say looking at Washington, but I realize now that also staying in the NFC South with the uh, with the Cowboys and the Panthers, if I would have told you going into this season that at this point, a quarterback from 2018 class would be leading the league in rushing touchdowns. It would have taken you at least three guesses to get to Sam Darnold. And even then, um, it, between him or Baker, I probably would have guessed Baker first. I mean, I might have went with Darnold just because I view Darnold as like a better athlete than Baker. So I probably would have went Darnold, but. And like the Browns, if they were going to run the ball in the end zone, odds are they would just give it to Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, not to Baker on a sneak. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that was wild. Um, all around, the Cowboys had a really good game. Um, offensively, they did really well against a defense that had been good all season. Deck had four touchdowns and no picks. Zeke and Pollard combined for over 200 yards, both averaging almost seven yards a carry. Um, yeah. And then on the other end, the Panthers offense just wasn't the same without Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Trayvon Diggs added to his interception total. He now has five in the first four games of the year, which is tied for the most in that stretch since the merger and the most since Darren Sharper in 2009. So, yeah, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, I it was just like a fun game to even think of just because of all the talent on offense and on defense. Um, Honestly, watching it and just – you can make an argument that the Cowboys are the best offense in the, in the league. Um, Dak, in my top eight quarterback, um, their line's good. They have arguably the best receiving core. Mari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, who I believe is hurt right now, right? I think so, yeah. And then you have, what, second-best running back tandem with Zeke and Pollard. Oh, you have some decent tight ends and Jarwin and Schultz. And then Kellen Moore, who, in my opinion, will be up for head coaching jobs next season. And you can argue he should be the Cowboys. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite parts of this game was seeing him and Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady go at it in terms of their scheming. And um, I just love a lot of the things that the Cowboys do and the way that they utilize, that they're very smart with how they can get the ball in really every single one of their weapons' hands really efficiently. Like, um, for example, with Moore drawing a play, uh, did you see that when um, the Cowboys needed to convert a third and short to steal a game? And they line up the formation with Zeke at fullback and Pollard at running back and Dak under center. 
Dak gets the snap. He hands it to Zeke, and Zeke does like a speed option to the right towards the sideline, then pitches it to Pollard, who gets the ball and then gets the crucial first down. And like yeah. just looking at that play design, like that's so brilliant. Like I don't, I just love like cool and unique formations and play designs yeah. and something that like that. It's like it seems simple, but like not many other teams attempt that. So like that's why like I kind of commend Kellen Moore and I do appreciate like appreciate seeing some of the things he comes up he comes up with because it's just so smart and smart offense is always fun to see. And even, you know, on the other side, Joe Brady, I saw a play where he had DJ Moore running back. And then on that same yeah. play, he ran a sort of like wheel route to the end zone. It was just wide open and Darnold found him. Like little stuff like that. Love to see, especially as a fan of a team with very basic offense. <laughs> it's nice seeing like two really smart offensive minds go at it who will most certainly be head coaching candidates in the very near future. Yeah. So um, overall, this was like one of my favorite games from the past weekend. Just great offense is fun to watch. And uh, having, you know, some really stellar defensive players out there too, isn't too shabby either. So um, yeah, overall, it's just a fun matchup. You know, like I said before, it's, it's really nice to see Sam Darnold um, revitalize his career and he's having an even better season than even I forethought with this Panthers team. And I think they're going to be really good in a playoff contender. And Dallas is very clearly the best team in the NFC least. It's not even a competition. And um, watching them over these past few weeks, especially with how good they played week one against Tampa before their secondary took so many injuries. Yeah. Um, I think I would argue that Dallas is a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. Iowa sounds bizarre because it's the Cowboys. Yeah. How disappointing they've been throughout the past like twenty years versus their standards. But um I think that they're a legit contender when you look at them on both sides of the ball, Kellen Moore's scheme. I'm curious to see how they do going forward versus teams like the Rams and Cardinals and Buccaneers the the cream of the crop at the moment, I would put them right up there with them. So I'm, I'm curious to see both teams going forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, talking about the top teams in the NFC, let's look at the, uh, the Cardinals going in <laughs> to LA and beating the Rams. Um, Smooth segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you set that up. nicely. that wasn't even planned. Um, it was like Bob and you caught it and then, and then down. Yeah. Yeah, that was perfect. Um, I guess the biggest thing here is the Cardinals kind of passed the test, so to speak, of like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, they're actually probably a good team. Um, I mean, week one kind of told me that to well, a large degree. But yeah. One, but... Yeah, I think it was still, in a way, easy to doubt um, what they've done to this point. But going in... Um, on the road against a team that had just beaten the defending Super Bowl champions the week before. And yeah, dropping 37 points against that defense. Um, yeah, I think they just, they just made the right plays on both sides of the ball when they needed to. Cause the, the Rams weren't terrible. 
by any means, but I mean, they still lost 37 to 20. Like, hmm. it just seems strange. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think about this one? To be honest, I wish I watched more of it. I was too busy <laughs> watching the Steelers lose, like most other Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> or at least Sundays as of recent. But, um, like, just seeing this game, like, the score come across, I was like, how the heck is that happening? Because, like, but, like, Kyler Murray's been electric. He's the MVP frontrunner, in my opinion. He's arguably the most fun quarterback to watch in the NFL, in the NFL right now. Him, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes are kind of a – well, Josh Allen as well are kind of the toss-ups as yeah. with that distinction. But um, he's an absolute magician. Their offense is good. Cliff Kingsbury hasn't completely stooged out yet. Not yet. Maybe that maybe he's uh having, you know, some nice scheme drops in his drug lord mansion. They <laughs> tried to flex on us the NFL draft. I yeah. won't let people forget about that. <laughs> Apparently he won't either. So um, uh the you know, and their defense is good. Obviously Chandler Jones is one and, and JJ Watt has been kind of silent in the sack department. But like watching some, I watched some tape of him and like just looking at, you know, how lethal his hands still are and the strength he brings, especially in the run game. He's still yeah. an effective player. Their secondary looks solid. So yeah, I, they're definitely an elite NFC team. You know, I, I still consider the Rams the best team in the NFC. Of course, the Cardinals just smacked the Rams, but you know, one game is one game, and I've been kind of a simp for the Rams for so long that I'm not gonna. Take away their distinction just yet, but I think the Rams, Cardinals, and Bucks are the top three teams in the NFC. And as of this moment, with the Rams, I mean the Rams, the Bucks looking a bit off. I would put them at like third, but I certainly think Cardinals and Rams, you know, was two elite and or two both two elite NFC teams. And um, it would surprise me how 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 bad the Rams lost by, but. It doesn't surprise me if the Cardinals would have beaten them. Yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about where the Rams are at. Um, obviously, a divisional game like this against another good team, I think, yeah, like this says more about, hey, the Cardinals are actually legit than <laughs> the Rams maybe, aren't. Yeah, then maybe the Rams should be worried. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm always, a big, always a big proponent of divisional games just being weird. Yeah. And um, this is kind of a divisional game that is, in a sense, weird, but it's really not. But it is just because of how good the Rams are. I'm not worried because this is just a down game coming off a huge win. It, it times happen. And knowing McVay and how how potent he's been and smart, I, I'm not worrying about them. Yeah. It, it happens. Like, Super Bowl teams lose games every year that you think they shouldn't, like Brady losing to his father, Nick, his coach, Nick Foles, <laughs> and the Bears last season where he forgot the downs and uh, yeah, gave us that iconic meme of him holding up four fingers. Yeah, um, I remember the Chiefs in their Super Bowl season, they lost to the Colts in a very weird game, and the Titans right. in a very weird game, like it just happens. Um, not that I'm comparing those teams to this Cardinals team because this Cardinals team is way better and it's a divisional game, but just, you know, sometimes, like, 
being great isn't being great all the time. Like greatness doesn't always show up all the time. I think this is just kind of a down game for the Rams and the Cardinals just brought it as a elite team. Yeah. Yeah, no, that definitely definitely makes sense. Um yeah, I want to jump along. You said you were watching the Packers Steelers focusing on that. Uh you're probably feeling pretty good for about like the first quarter, is that right? No, I wasn't. Or <laughs> on that on that that deep ball of Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Which I was watching on a smaller screen because it wasn't on CBS at the oh, time. Yeah. So I had to like watch it's like Sunday ticket. So on a little screen, yeah. I just see Big Ben throw a deep ball and Deontay catch it. I was like Wait, the Steelers completing a deep pass. Are my eyes deceiving me? Yeah. Do I need to get my uh, my glasses? Because I have glasses for distance. And it wasn't. It actually happened. Deontay Johnson put yeah. a deep ball touchdown, which helped my fantasy teams. Because you know, since if I'm going to be upset that the Steelers are losing, I might as well have Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris on my main fantasy team just yeah. so I can reap some benefits of them being bad. So, um, yeah. yeah, I saw that and I was like, all right, at least we could take the lead. Maybe we could get, you know, maybe God, we could get a gift from God and somehow actually be good today. Uh, we weren't. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my only really, like, I didn't expect to beat the Packers and Lambeau. Um, you know, our defense was getting health. Like, you could kind of see that TJ Watt was still not himself. The offense played better. It was a bit more consistent. They moved the ball better, especially since they didn't have many snaps because Aaron Rodgers, after his run game, notably Aaron Jones, who was playing really well, were kind of dominating time of possession unlike yeah. Steelers' previous game where they had the ball most of the game and were just so inept they couldn't score points. But um, Steelers' offense was more consistent. Uh, you talked about um, Najee's four yards per carry, which is better than expected because the Steelers' line is just so hideous. Yeah. So yeah, their their run game looked better. They were they were still you know their run game looked better, but you know Ben missed some throws. Juju on an open touchdown. It's kind of weird because like people get on Ben for his arm not being what it was which it certainly isn't what it was. But, like, Ben's problem against the Packers was not having – like, was just not being accurate enough. It, it, the touch wasn't there. He was just missing open receivers, but he was getting the ball there. It's a good sign, and he was getting the ball there and that the pass protection was a bit better. So, like, if the team – like, the Steelers team that played the Packers played the Bengals last week, I think the Steelers would have won, which mm-hmm. – I guess it's a bit more of a positive sign. I mean that the Steelers team this Sunday would have won solely because their defense was better and healthier because their offense still sucks. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of what I the game to be. Um, my only real big gripe was the field goal block, which I know you touched upon in the notes. Yeah. Um, it's so hard to tell if Joe Hayden was off sides or not. But um I've seen still image of him going in the ball as the ball was being snapped. 
Um, I don't know. It's so hard to say. Uh, personally, I don't think it would have made a huge difference because the Steelers really couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers when it mattered. Yeah. Um, still, like, to take the lead at halftime, you never know what can happen. And um, just to be able to, like, to return a field goal for a touchdown is insane. So, like, yeah, I obviously wish it stayed, but I, I, I can't really tell you, give you a definitive answer either or. If I were to, I think Hayden just timed it perfectly, but, like, I can't really definitively say that. So I, I, I can't even really give you an answer on that one. Yeah, you'd have to really go, like, frame by frame to know for sure. I think watching it kind of slowed, it is a really good jump, and when it is close like that, it is just the tough call where you don't want to let some, yeah, like you're, you're going to make someone mad no matter what. Um, yeah. I wish plays like that were reviewable, just a special circumstance because like, yeah, because like they threw a flag and like, what if they were clearly wrong about that and you just took a huge play away from a team? Like, yeah, I wish that they were able to like have a really strict review of that. I don't know if they would have changed their decision. They probably wouldn't have. But um, I, I would be interested if they implemented something like that, like a crucial play kind of clause where, like, yeah, like even though a, a coach can't really challenge that, they, the, the refs would just take a look at it anyways just to make sure they get a play right. Yeah. I mean, part of me wants everything to be reviewed all the time just so everything can be <laughs> correct. But I also don't want every game to be six hours long. So yeah, but like that situation because was literally right before half. Like that, I feel like is like really fitting of what I just said. Yeah. Um. Or like you know, uh, NF where a uh, player is a uh, a receiver is hit very clearly before the ball gets there. Yeah. Like a play like that where it's uh, like don't don't talk about that. <laughs> don't talk about that. Yeah. Or uh. Yeah, it's just – I wish they would have really been able to look at that. But yeah, um, right now I'm on Greatness Debates is uh, on the Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh hope train. And, yeah. Uh, as you saw the post, I think that Pittsburgh is – could be Aaron Rodgers' quote-unquote Tampa Bay. But that yeah. stellar defense, town on the outside – he has a sort of romance thing going on with Mike Tomlin. I don't know if you saw the video. I did not. So um, Aaron Rodgers was trying to catch the Steelers. Um, you know how he does that thing where he tries to get a free play with 12 men on the field? Yeah. Where he was about to do that, and Mike Tomlin called a timeout, so he couldn't do that. Mm. And then um, right after he did that, Aaron Rodgers was, like, smirking at Tomlin, and then Tomlin was, like, smiling back. Nice. <laughs> like, I had... I have the video of it on my meme page where I said, it's time <laughs> as a caption Yeah, <laughs> um, with it, with a smiling reaction video right next to it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they have like a little like bromance thing going on and he, Rogers had a lot of positive things to say about Pittsburgh and Pat McAfee show, at least from what I read from what was quoted. Mm. So, um, I think it's a really good fit especially with the level of respect the Steelers have shown towards Big Ben versus what the Packers have shown to Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers seeing the loyalty the Steelers have and 
maybe that could be something that sways him or that could sway him. And um, I just think it would be fitting going from a team with such a rich history like Green Bay to a team with such a rich history like Pittsburgh. It would be kind of a fitting transition for for him. And um, I really feel like him on the Steelers, looking at how like the development that guys like Deontay Johnson, who's been – I think I saw a stat where he was the best receiver against man coverage in the NFL – and he has the most targets in the NFL without a drop. He's emerging as, in my opinion, as a potential elite receiver in the NFL with the route running. Like, he's kind of a high-wire act in general, but, like, I think he can emerge as an elite receiver. And, like, Rodgers, having Rodgers there with him and Chase Claypool, like, and Juju if he stays, like, that would be just such an – could be such an incredible offense – and you factor in Najee Harris maybe having a league average blocking, and that would be that could be something special. So, if Aaron Rodgers, by some grace of God, is ever listening to this podcast, please come to Pit- please come to Pittsburgh. I'll take back all the mean things I've said about you. Please come, please come to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I see what you're seeing, and at the same time, I think you're just hoping a little too hard, but. Yeah, you never know. Um, I mean, it is the talent's there. It's just, would he prefer that to like Denver? I know. Yeah. Boldest NFL prediction said the Giants, and like, that's just I, I just don't see that. Nothing's off the table, but like, I just don't see that. Yeah. I don't know. I think he wants somewhere somewhere warm at this point in his life. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. You know. I don't know where that would be right now, but you'd certainly get a warm reaction from Pittsburgh. But in the frigid, <laughs> I think he's gonna be like, "I'd rather be in Hollywood right now." Yeah. Jeff. So I don't know. I mean, the LA the LA teams have quarterbacks already. Yeah. So, like, kind of like you said in the group chat last night. So I don't know. It, it's this isn't really a discussion for right now because right now he's a Packers quarterback and could potentially be in the future, although it doesn't seem like it. I'm just curious what he ends up deciding. And if it's Pittsburgh, I will be extraordinarily happy. And we'll put immense amount of expectations on the Steelers that I really don't have right now. So <laughs> so I just just please I, I don't want to see Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins starting for the team. So please yeah. Aaron come here. I, I beg of you. I don't want to see Spencer Rattler starting for the Steelers either. So please <laughs> Oh, please come to Pittsburgh. I, I'll, I'll, I'll take, like I said, I'll take back any mean things I said about you. <laughs> I'll go, I'll go on Jeopardy, please. <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, super, super fast because we're running a bit long. Um, <laughs> just really quick on the Ravens Broncos. Um, one, I think the Broncos are still pretty good. Um, <laughs> Like, this doesn't really change how I think about them. I just think this just shows that the Ravens are still one of the best teams in the league in, like, every possible phase. Um, Even passing now. Their passing game looks much improved. Yeah. I mean, Lamar had 300 yards through the air. That great throw to Hollywood for the long touchdown. Um, So, good showing there. And... 
throughout the game, the run game wasn't as good as it has been, but they did finish with 100 yards to tie the record for most consecutive 100-yard rushing games, doing so on the last play of the game, um, which pretty controversial, but I'm, I'm not opposed, really. Um, Me neither. I like this. I like the sentiment of it. Obviously, if Lamar would have gotten hurt or something, it would have been yeah. really it, stupid. Yeah. yeah uh, just to be honest, really stupid. Like, I, I'm not mad at it. Like, like if anybody, people are listening, just listen to that last segment. Like, yeah, I'm a diehard Steelers fan, but like, I don't have anything against it. My only thing against it is like, if Lamar Jackson ever got like really hurt doing that, like, yeah. you, just look, you just look like an idiot. But like, yeah, I mean, what's five yards going to change about the game? It's not like they scored a touchdown or something to, like, really, like, pad the score, run the score up. Like, it was just five yards to hit a record that they've really earned. So, yeah. I, I can't really get mad. Like, yeah, Harbaugh is kind of a jerk and stuff. But, like, I, I, I'm not really going to get mad at that. It's just one play. The only way that is bad is just if Lamar Jackson or anybody else got hurt on a play that was essential by any yeah. means. However, one thing is that Harbaugh's logic for it was kind of dumb because he said like, oh, the Broncos were trying to score a touchdown and there's no such thing as a 16-point touchdown. But like, well, yeah, but they were trying to score because they were down and you're trying to, you know, make this like you're, you're just not giving up. Yeah. So like, like what they were doing and what the Ravens were doing were entirely different. Like yeah, there's no correlation there. It's just like I, I like I, I'm fine with what they did. It's just like I feel like Harbaugh, like that's not a way to explain it. Like you just say like we wanted to get the record. That's all you have to say. And not compare it to what Denver was doing, who was down in the game. Like if Denver was giving up, you would be like, Oh, you know, they gave up. So Yeah. Yeah, like I that's one thing I, I was like, that's that's just a dumb thing to say, but other than that, like I don't see, I don't have a problem with what they did, as a Steelers fan whose record just got tied off that. Yeah, yeah, it's an old record too. That was through the late seventies, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. ironic that Vic Fangio was given the kind of old head response to that for an yeah. old head record, but he he was he he was really mad, and I see both perspectives of both coaches, but. I don't really have a problem, but I could see why, like, Vic Fangio and Denver would be pretty pissed about that. Yeah. I mean, I would probably do the same if I was in Harbaugh's position, so. Yeah. So you could add it to your GoFB ESPN stats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty on brand. Um, (laughs) Moving on. Still two more games to touch on. Hopefully – Really concisely, because uh, we're almost at an hour and 20 minutes. Um, so looking at the Bucks and the Patriots on Sunday night, altogether, I think some people were surprised by this. I was not. Mm-hmm. Um, Brady didn't have a great game. It was raining as well, which is um, obviously a factor, but he completed about 50% of his passes. No touchdowns, no interceptions. He's thrown one touchdown in the last two games. And he's thrown 98 passes in that time. Um, 
not saying anything positive or negative there. Just thought that was interesting. Um, <laughs> so looking at that and the fact that, um, you know, it was a two point game with an obvious talent difference between these two teams. Like I said, really quick here, trying to keep it short. Um, would you say Belichick won the matchup? Because I think that's how I would lean here. In a sense, yes. Obviously, like, the casual response would be like, oh, well, they didn't win the game. But, like, yeah, but at the same time, the Patriots' defense made Brady look as bad as bad as he has all season. And um, when you look at the Patriots' offense, like, Mac Jones tied Brady's consecutive completions record with the Patriots with, I think, 18 or 19 straight completions. And even just looking at the way Mac Jones ran the Patriots offense with, you know, without Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Yeah. I would say he, I would argue that Mac Jones outplayed Brady in that game. When you look at the most, most metrics would agree with you. Even stuff like um, EPA, which I don't love, but it was in Jones' (laughs) favor. So for now, I'll get on board. Yeah. I mean, I went like, ooh, because that's a stat that I like, even though. Really, no stat ever. I like yeah. film better than stats because the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Yeah, but stats can be deceiving. Um, but yeah, I would say Belichick won because, to be honest, he was one Jacoby Myers completion on third down yeah. away from, in my opinion, probably winning the game. Um, yeah. I really wasn't big. I know you touched on the notes. I really wasn't big on kicking it. I said at the time, I'm like. He's gonna miss. I I just can't see him making the spill goal. Like yeah. I would rather just take my chances on fourth and three with an offense that's really proficient and short passing than yeah. like take that chance kicking a fifty-six yarder and then he single doinked it and that was the game. Um, yeah, I mean the Patriots very easily could have won, and um overall it was just a game and it would have been nice to see Belichick kind of get the feather in this cap of beating Brady, but. The Bucks are so much of a talent, so much more talented of a team, and you can't really blame New England for losing on a really phenomenal effort. Yeah, I think to really give this win to um, to Brady in the Brady Belichick debate, we just would have had to see more from him, and we like he was not the reason they won this game. Um, no. No, their defense, you know, their hyper blitzing and stuff like that is was a big reason. And uh, even AB as as well as he was playing, or more so the the Bucks run game. Yeah, with Leonard Fournette. Yeah, yeah, and compare that to the Patriots who finished with negative one rushing yards. <laughs> Steelers um, moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I just think this was a more impressive showing from Belichick than it was uh, for Brady, especially looking at some plays where he would, like, scheme up really good pressure and then the guy would just, like, miss. I know that happened a couple times. Yeah. Um, You look at, like, Brady's first down run where you're, like – I mean, obviously – credit where it's due good on him but 
you pretty much did everything you right. should be expected to do to stop Brady in that situation. And then he stumbles for a first down. So yeah, it's just stuff like that. 20, we're like, they were takes 20 yeah. years to, to run five yards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're like, they were in position and that's really a testament to the defensive scheme. And then just didn't really come through. Um, so yeah, altogether, I kind of, I like, I would have liked to see a Patriots win here, which I don't think I've ever said in my life. Me neither. But, um, yeah, either way, a good showing in general. Um, last game of the week, not a ton to say here, but um, Chargers beat the Raiders 28-14. to 14. Uh, Justin Herbert. Three touchdown passes. Austin Eckler was over 100 yards rushing, almost eight yards per carry. Two and total the defense, touchdowns as well. Yeah, yeah. One through the, the air, defense, one on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, defensively, they brought down Carr four times, and Derwin James had an interception. So um, I think we were kind of in agreement about where this Raiders team was. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of the undefeated teams going into this week, um, we really saw in a game where Carr wasn't great, they lost by two touchdowns. So that really kind of emphasizes the weaknesses of this team. Um, yeah, no, do you want to say anything quick about that before I give a quick little fantasy anecdote? Yeah, I yeah, only thing I would say is the char- Chargers just look really good. I mean, Herbert is still making strides from his rookie season. And I thought he would regress a little bit naturally, but he's playing well at a pretty steady pace. Um, but more so was in Chargers defense, which Brandon Staley, who I really who I very much underestimated before the season, is yeah. such a great defensive mind and limiting to the Raiders, this high-octane Raiders offense that was moving the ball at kind of a historic rate. Um, only holding them to 14 points and the way that the Chargers were able to run the ball, it was just super impressive. And to be honest, they do look pretty legit as a honestly potential threat to win the AFC West, which sounds absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. Or would have sounded like the Chiefs defense can't stop a nosebleed. And uh, I, they have a lack of versatility in their receiver core. I think the Chargers have a legit shot to win the AFC West, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah. But, um, just wild. So you can you could give your fantasy anecdote, but just credit to the Chargers for playing really well. And I'm curious to see how they can. Yeah, I mean, that Chargers defense uh, did a lot for me. Um, <laughs> is that at one point on Sunday, I was checking my fantasy, and I had like a 3% win probability and I was like all right whatever the comeback is on um a few things happen it kind of balances out goes up and down but going into that game sleeper gave me a zero percent chance to win and I was like that is ridiculous because the only I my team was finished he had Daniel Carson I can't talk. Daniel Carlson <laughs> left to play, who was projected to have, I believe, nine points, and I was leading by four. So it was like, realistically, it's not impossible for him to 
not score that many points. Um, and lo and behold, Chargers defense came through, held them to two touchdowns, and he missed a field goal as well. And I won the matchup. So another perfect week for me. That's back-to-back um, weeks where I won all three of my leagues. And did you see uh, we're playing against each other in the non-Dynasty League this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I did see that. I um, To be honest, I don't really pay too much attention to it, but... um. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I did see that. That was playing all about that bass, and since I always see it in the group chat, I was just like, "Oh, that's that's go." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny because I hate that song, but it was the only pun I could think of with what I had. Um, that's fair. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna do uh, CDs nuts, but um, <laughs> I didn't know how how. I, I I can still do it now, but I don't know how appropriate that is. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I might have to change it to something about Gasicki if he's going to be like the focal point of my team now. But Gasicki makes me sicky. Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that's just about it for today. A lot to look forward to um, coming up this weekend. Obviously, we have the Seahawks and the Rams playing tomorrow night. That should be a really good one. Uh, and then Very Sunday, tight. yeah. What a rough going um, for the Rams, though. You play the Bucks, Cardinals, and Seahawks in three consecutive weeks, or in three straight weeks. Like, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough stretch, but I think they're, I think they're built for it. The Rams, or the Seahawks, hosting the Seahawks. Um, I don't know. Both both games should be hungry. Or both teams, sorry, should be hungry here in this game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Um, Sunday morning, we got the Browns and the Chargers. I think that'll be a good one. Um, potentially Trey Lance getting his first start. Mm-hmm. I think it's yet to be announced if Garoppolo's out, but that's something to monitor there. And then obviously um, – Bills and Chiefs on Sunday night. Both teams have so much to prove. I think that should be an awesome one. Definitely could be the game of the year. Just thinking the quarterback play, the hype going in, uh, level of offense. Yeah. Yeah, I just think with how hot the Bills have been, but they still need to they still need to get past Kansas City. And looking at how disappointing the Chiefs have been. Um, it's a prime opportunity to yeah, assert themselves over them for the moment yeah. at least. Yeah, so that should be a really good one, and I'm gonna be at work for it. So, um, pain. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll do what I can. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think that's it for today. Um, <laughs> bit of a longer show. Thanks for bearing with us if you're still here. Um, yeah, very appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you all enjoy the weekend and uh, yeah, see you back next time. Thank you for listening. All right. Take care.